How's everybody doing this morning? Good to see everybody. As you saw from the video, Brad is off leading a team in Israel, enjoying the greatest trip of their lives, and you're stuck here with me, me but it's okay, because they love you, Northridge. <laughs> everybody feels better, right? Well, my name is Justin. If we've never met, it's great to be with you this morning. Uh, as you saw from the, the opening video, we're talking a little bit about change and transition, and I'm going to have plenty of time to yell at you about that this morning, but I want to start with a game, a youth pastor's dream to open a service. And so here's what we're going to do. How many of you heard of the game called Flappy Bird? Okay, I imagine uh, normal circumstances we would have more hands up, but it's not available for the iPhone. So I'm sorry so many of you have not had a chance to play. It's available for Android devices. But basically how this game is played is uh, maybe you've seen the Super Mario World from way back in the day. Picture that with pipes sticking out of the ground, pipes hanging from the air. Eliminate the Mario Brothers... Add a strange-looking bird. All right, now this bird has to navigate through the world between pipes, collecting coins, avoiding obstacles, and it's done by tapping on your phone or your tablet. The more you tap, the higher it goes. The less you tap, the lower it goes. Today we have a game called Flappy Crowd. And so you guys are going to play. You're hopefully wide awake and ready to go. They're going to put the world up on the screen so you can see what we're dealing with. And what's going to happen is your volume is going to determine... The, the height of the bird as it navigates this world. And we're going to try to collect as many coins as we can. All right, so we're going to give it a little practice run before they start, just so you can get, a, get your energy going. So on the count of three, I need you to get as loud as you can, and then we're going to slowly bring our volume down so you can practice changing the, the tone a little bit. Are you ready? Okay, count of three. One, two, three. All right, pretty good. Now, I, I'm not able to help you because, as you can see, the microphone uh, affects uh, the volume that's being recorded. So it's all going to be on you guys. We're going to have 20 seconds to collect as many coins as you can. Are you ready? All right. Here we go. We're going to hit start. Get ready. Three, two, one. Here we go. Okay, 37, not bad, not bad, not bad, 37, okay. Uh, I suppose you all want to stop there, you don't want to try it again? You want to try it again? All right, you want to try it again, we'll give it another try. 37 was your score, let's see if you can improve on that this time. Remember, to get lower, you get quieter. You guys were doing the opposite sometimes. So let's try this again. Get ready. Three, two, one, here we go. Okay, you got it. Well done. The, the 7 o'clock service last night hit 60. You didn't catch them, but you did improve upon your score. The 9 o'clock got worse their second time. Uh, rest assured, I made fun of them. You can uh, take solace in that, that they were ribbed mercilessly for that. Now, here's the thing with a game like this, or if you grew up playing Pong, maybe, or Super Mario Brothers, or you play a game like this on your phone, 
the nature of this type of a game is you don't want to just play it once. They make money by you being addicted, okay? Do you understand that? You want to improve to the next level. You want to improve on your score. You want to beat your friends. Nobody wants to play. If you're playing Super Mario Brothers, nobody plays the first world and says, eh, who cares about the princess? Let's play level one again. And you go through it all and you do great. And you're like, Let's do level one again. No, nobody does that. You want to get better. You want to move to the next level. You want to collect more coins. And so today we're talking about that type of change and growth. And not just change and growth, but taking advantage of the God-given capacity for change and growth that exists in all of us. Now as we talk about change today, I want to tell you right up front, I'm someone who hates change. I don't enjoy it. All right? I don't enjoy growth. I'm the guy where if you go to a restaurant... Uh, I order the same thing at that restaurant every single time. Anybody with me on that? Absolutely, because in my mind, why would I try something different if I know there's something I really like? Why bother changing it up? I'm the guy who hates to move. I've, uh, in the course of my life, we've moved across the state several times for uh, work things, school things, whatever. And I'm someone who likes to put down roots, find a groove, find a nice balance, get, get things settled, and it, it seems like throughout the course, I've been uh, married for a while now, and it seems like every time we get things in a groove, something changes. Either there's a job change or there's another kid in, in, in the picture, and things just get all messed up, and you have to figure things out again. I hate that. I'm the guy where I, I remember one night in 11th grade laying in bed uh, worrying about the future because at that time, I, I was super involved in church, involved in youth group type stuff. And as an 11th grader, most of my best friends at that time were 12th graders. Even the girl I was dating was a 12th grader. And I remember thinking, everything's about to change in a few months. Everything. And, and I remember just calling out to God, even getting teared up about it. Like, God, school is great right now. Sports are great. My friendships are great. Things with my family are great. Can everything just stop for a second? Let me enjoy this stability and, and goodness in my life. But obviously things had to change. And as much as I hate change, at the same time, I kind of like it because the results are almost always positive. Looking back on, on even the food thing, six months ago, I'd never had sushi, and now I'm obsessed with it. And so that was a, a positive change. It's super expensive. It's ridiculous. Um, even when it comes to moving, every transition that we've made has been extremely positive. The last one brought me here to Northridge a couple years ago. And, and even going back to that 11th grade moment, I loved my senior year. I loved college. And so those changes that seem so unnecessary and, and, and unwanted at the time turn out to be positive. And so it's like there's these two opposing forces pulling at me at the same time in opposite directions where one is saying, grow, change, evolve, experience growth. And it feels so good to get to the end of that transition and see where I've come from to where I'm at. And yet there's this voice that says, stay the same. Don't change. It feels so good to be comfortable and in a groove and don't upset anything. And there's this constant question in my mind, am I going to stay the same or am I going to just keep growing? You guys feel this tension too, don't you? At different points in your life, there's change, stay the same, change, stay the same. Which where do I go with this? And, and some change is inevitable. You saw the video of the, the girl in that opening video, a pretty popular YouTube trend that's going on. That's one of the better versions of it. But when it comes to little kids, you can't stop them from growing. They're going to get taller. Their hair is going to get longer. There's nothing you can do about it. And really, even if you don't help it happen, it's going to happen. And yet, in those moments when we do have a choice, when we do have the option, 
we usually choose in this battle between changing and staying the same, we usually choose the path of least resistance, which is don't move. Nobody say anything, nobody do anything, everybody just sit tight. Don't change anything. Even if we're rewarded with growth and progress at the end of that, we still don't want to change. We completely talk ourselves out of it. For some of us, that's, we think it's not necessary. I'm good the way things are. I'm good with the way I am. And honestly, even if I needed to change, there's people out there who need it way worse than I do. So let them get things figured out and then maybe I'll jump into the mix. Some of us think it's just not worth it. It's too much risk. Don't upset the balance. Like the food thing. Why try something new if things are good now? Let's not mess with what we have. Some of you just thinking, that's not for me. You're living in the past. You're living off of the past. And probably even if you wanted to change, you wouldn't know how anyways. And so I have some questions for you this morning to contemplate as we begin to think through this idea of changing and staying the same so you can start to get a picture of where you're at as far as changing and staying the same. So question number one. What's something you believe strongly now that you felt completely different about 10 to 20 years ago? Something you feel, feel strongly now that you felt completely different about 10 to 20 years ago. I know, looking around, I see some uh, junior high, high school age uh, students in here. That's great. Maybe you hit the, our middle school service at the 9 o'clock. Some of you can't remember back 10 years ago if you're like 13. We'll leave you out of this one. And honestly, I remember junior high. You're experiencing change that you don't even really want to discuss right now. So you can just skip this one. It's cool. Something you believe strongly now that you believe completely different 10 to 20 years ago. How about number two? When was the last time you gave up something good in order to experience something new and potentially better? Last time you gave up something good in order to experience something new and maybe even better. What have you surrendered to God that you were previously unable to let go of? What have you surrendered to God that you were previously unable to let go of? And finally, one more. What's different about you from when you were 21? And if you're younger, you're on the younger side, what's different from when you were 13? And I'm thinking bigger than like waistline stuff here, guys. I'm thinking bigger than that. What's different about you from when you were 21 years old? Or is it possible you had everything figured out at 21? It would be pretty sad, honestly, and, and probably a little bit arrogant as well, but maybe that's another talk for another day. My, my, my real concern today isn't necessarily the change and growth stuff. It's, it's the danger in accepting a lack of change and growth in your life. Let me uh, illustrate this for you if I can. Um, I'm going to show you a little graph. And this didn't originate with me. This, uh, this isn't my idea. I saw this originally uh, in a book called Good to Great by a guy named Jim Collins. Uh, it's called The S-Curve, and now you think I'm incredibly intelligent because I read books like that. Uh, but it's an S-Curve, and it usually applies to businesses, organizations, things like that. And uh, basically the starting point is, is something new, a change. Maybe, maybe the business is a startup. Maybe it's a brand new invention that's being marketed. Maybe uh, it's an improvement on something that already exists. It's a, it's a new CEO. Something changes, and it creates an upswing in momentum, in energy, in profits, in market share, whatever that thing was, 
things improve from there. There's energy among the people that work there. There's energy in the marketplace about that thing that's going on. Things are going great. This is a good time in the lifespan of this business or organization or thing. Now what typically happens is this, this new thing follows a common life cycle. Eventually the energy from that change, the energy from that new thing is going to top out. You know, s- simplest way to think of this is, is uh, your favorite band growing up or uh, your favorite song in high school. They overplayed the thing to death and you hear it now and you want to vomit. They played it so much. But it was great, it was awesome, it's the new sound, it's the new band. And, and then it hits a turning point where things are topping out, you're get, just about to get sick of it and you have a choice. One option is to change it up. Evolve, do something new. Turn that one hit wonder song into a club mix or a, a dubstep mix. Infuse some new energy, get it planned. Or, or you can turn it into a country song and it'll die forever. Um, But you do something different, a new change, and you get a nice little upswing, and you get our S-curve that we're looking for. Or, you stay completely the same. You do nothing different. You let it ride out. Over and over and over again. And inevitably, the energy dies out, the excitement dies out, the momentum dies out, the profits start falling off and you ride the wave all the way down. Now, sometimes people are able to recover from this and find a new upswing going up even as they fall off, but usually that thing falls off. You see this, and we've seen this recently in the the comparison between a Blockbuster video and an Apple where Blockbuster, King Kong video rental, never found that new thing, never found that new groove, and as the Netflixes of the world and and the live streaming came about, they weren't able to change and catch a new wave, and yet Apple was able to reinvent themselves a number of years ago and catch a new upswing. And the hardest thing about that is when we're here, we think that we can maintain a status quo. We think we can just stay the same and, 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 and stay where we're at, but stagnation is actually decline in this process, and we usually don't realize it until it's too late. I experienced this in middle school. Uh, I was in a uh, band all through middle school, started in fifth grade playing percussion, uh, chose that instrument because I thought they were going to teach me how to play the drums. I ended up playing like the bass drum and the xylophone, which are almost as cool. Uh, and so I spent a few years doing that. And, and as part of the band, we would have these festivals we would go to and perform and get, and get rated on them. And part of that was sight reading. So they'd stick the band in this room and we'd get a brand new piece of music we'd never seen before. We'd get a few minutes to look it over and then we'd have to perform and be judged on it. I was the guy in our percussion team who would usually end up playing the xylophone. I had a little bit of a history with piano, so I was pretty good with the sight reading and, and following the notes and, and picking up the beats. And so I was playing, I was pretty good with the xylophone. I was, I was happy with where I was at. I thought, honestly, I thought I was the man. Uh, and so we come to Solo Festival a few months after. And this is basically, you have your instrument, whether it's the saxophone or the trumpet or percussion, and you perform a solo for the judges, maybe with a piano accompaniment, but whatever. And so my, our band teacher gave me this piece of music. I was like, oh, cool. It was called Saber Dance. Didn't think much of it. Took it home, started practicing. Uh, had this little set of bells that I would practice on. So I'd be at home. Bing, 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 bing. I am the best at the xylophone. Bing, 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 bing. Got myself through about three quarters of the song, feeling pretty good after a few weeks of practice, and thought, oh, I'll get to, you know, I can battle through the last quarter, no big deal. Things kind of repeats itself quite a bit. We get to the night before the solo festival. Night before. It's happening on a Saturday, this is Friday night. 
sitting on the couch. We were, at that time, can't explain it, we were a big figure skating family, okay? None of us figure skated. My dad played hockey. Uh, hockey players are supposed to make fun of figure skaters. I don't know, it, ha- it happened. We were a figure skating family, so Olympics, world championships, this happened to be an exhibition, so you know we were in deep. We're watching a figure skating exhibition. Friday night, guy comes out to skate, guy named Scott Hamilton, pretty famous figure skater, would do backflips and stuff, super fun to watch, so we're excited. I'm chilling on the couch. Music starts. A little bit of an intro. I can't make this up. I hear this. And I'm sitting on the couch still, and I, I pick up on this song, and I sit up. And I look at my parents, and I go, that's my song. It's my song, and in my mind, I'm picturing my practice, and I'm looking at the music. Bing, 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 the night before, realizing that I've been practicing in the wrong tempo, maybe 10 times slower than I was supposed to be playing. It was the worst feeling ever, and I was just cocky enough to go through with it, so I showed up on Saturday and performed a musical disaster that still echoes into the universe to this day. And band directors everywhere wake up in cold sweats thinking of Justin Powell and his saber dance interpretation. It was brutal, I'm telling you, it was, it was brutal. Now that's ridiculous. Totally true story, but ridiculous. But this is an issue that plays out all through life. We see it in marriages where, where people hit their honeymoon and they, they make the transition into real life thinking that the principles that got them through the honeymoon are going to, to work in real life. And if you're married out there, I'm married. Honeymoon principles don't work in real life. That's a tough transition to make. We see it as people raise kids and and navigate that difficult transition from being a disciplinarian as they're young to becoming more of a mentor and a discipler and an influencer as they get older. We see it as students progress through, through the school years and go from middle school and high school into college and those study habits that worked in middle school and high school just don't fly on a college campus. There's too much going on. It's too crazy. We even see this in churches where you'll, you'll see a, a church plant or they'll, they'll get a new young hip pastor, a uh, good looking guy such as myself perhaps, uh, to get on stage and create some energy and you'll see an upswing in attendance, an upswing in energy and things are going great and then for decades nothing will change and they peak from the energy of that new building and that new pastor or that startup and they start to lose energy. At our, our satellite campuses in Brighton Howell and Ann Arbor Selene, they're anticipating new buildings here at some point in the future. In Brighton Howell, if you've never been there, it's a great facility, but it's probably the only school in America with a statue of someone firing a gun in the cafeteria. It's, their, their mascot is the Patriots, and you walk in the door, and nothing says welcome to our church like a colonial soldier firing his musket at you from up on high. Strangest thing. And then at Ann Arbor Saline, it's an, it's, it was their original high school. It's a middle school now, and the auditorium looks like someone with an orange fetish designed it. The seats are orange. The walls are orange. There's orange on the front and the ceiling. And they're, they're all sitting there thinking, oh, if we just had our own building, 
We could do stuff during the week. We could design it the way we want. We could get some energy and, and excitement and people would want to check it out and that's absolutely true. But those things are not the holy grail of growth and energy. Eventually, all of that stuff fades and starts to fall off. And guys, I would love for you to walk out of here being able to grow your business or increase the readership of your blog. I would love for your church, I would love for our church to grow, but that's really not the point today. I want you to break out of this in your life, in your faith, in your walk with God, in in whatever you're at on your journey. Because here's the thing, you've resisted change. You've taken zero steps, you've experienced no growth, and you can look back over a significant period of your life and realize that you are exactly the same as you've always been. And not in a good way. And so our truth today is both an encouragement and a challenge as we dive into some scripture here. If we're awake to Jesus, if we are following this God that we claim to love, if, we, if we're serving Jesus, then growth is both available to us and it's expected of us. Growth is available to us and growth is expected of us. Let me show you what I mean. Uh, It's available to us, number one, because we follow a God of growth and change. Proverbs 18, 15 says this, the heart of the discerning acquires knowledge. The ears of the wise seek it out. The heart of the discerning acquires knowledge. So basically, in God's eyes, you are wise, you are discerning, you are doing this life thing right if you're pursuing knowledge you're pursuing new information, new ways of doing things, new thoughts, new directions, new opportunities, not staying the same, not remaining stagnant, not accepting the status quo, but acquiring new knowledge, new strategies, new energy. Isaiah uh, chapter 43, God is talking to uh, the Israelite people. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 18, God says this, forget the former things. Don't dwell in the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. If you've grown up in church, you've heard over and over, God is the same yesterday and today and forever. And that's absolutely true. God is always the same in who he is, not necessarily in how he acts. And so he's talking to the Israelites here who are experiencing exile at the hands of Babylon and they're Uh, their brightest and best young people from their nation have been taken to serve in a foreign country. Many parts of of Israel are in in ruins at this point and they're crying out to God saying, God, when does our deliverance come? They're they're thinking about their ancestors who were brought out of Egypt by Moses and, and miracles and plagues and then taken through the Red Sea and they're saying, when is that happening for us? And God says, listen, it's coming, but it's not necessarily gonna come through a path in the ocean. God says the stories of the past are vital. Cling to the stories of Moses and your ancestors. But I don't always work the same. Someday I'm gonna send someone named Jesus to bring deliverance to all of my people and right now I'm doing things differently in your life. He says I'm working right now in your life in a new way. We follow a God of movement and change and growth. And that growth is available to us because this same God makes his character available to us. Philippians 1.6 says, He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion 
He began a good work in you and he'll carry it on to completion. This is the work of making you more like him, making his character available in you. And so God says, I'm holy and so you can be holy. I forgive and so you can forgive. I embrace change and learning and newness and growth and so you can embrace those things as well. And so any hesitations, any fear, anything that's holding you back can be discarded. Because he says, I'm a God of growth and change and I'm making that available to you. Now there's some things in life that are available to us but completely optional. All right, the, the warranty on your new microwave. Available, optional. The investment opportunity that your financial planner brings to you. Maybe it's a great idea, it's available to you, completely optional. Volunteering in student ministries, perhaps the greatest decision any human being could make uh, over the course of their life. Completely available to everyone in this room, and yet, optional. Growth, change, taking next steps, available to you and expected of you. It's expected of us because we were wired for more. We were wired for next steps. Second Timothy chapter 2, verses 4 and 5 says this. No one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. Rather, they try to please their commanding officer. And similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. Imagine a soldier living like a civilian. Imagine an athlete competing outside the format of their sport. Imagine the, the, some of the greats of athletics over the years, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, getting to the highest level and then going back to high school to compete at that level. Be stupid. Be pointless. Like, why even bother? Think about soldiers uh, coming home to normal life after you've been on the front lines and trying to experience normal life, trying to settle for the American dream. I imagine it just doesn't cut it. If you're like me, you've heard stories of people coming home. They've, they've been operating billion-dollar technology, living and working behind enemy lines, serving their country in the most noble way, and now they're back and asked to serve on an assembly line. Now, there's nothing wrong with an assembly line. There's nothing wrong with good, hard work. And yet, when you've been here, living down here just doesn't get the heart rate going. And it's the same with us. We've been wired for more. We've been wired for growth. We've been wired for next steps. We've been wired for this. And yet we live here. We can handle more. Hebrews chapter five, one of my favorite passages in in the Bible. Hebrews chapter five, starting in verse 11. uh, Pretty strong passage here. We have much to say about this, but it's hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand Now, the the writer of this letter is coming off a pretty intense passage of Scripture, getting into some pretty serious theological stuff that's debated. People are still trying to figure it out 2,000 years later. And it's almost like they're writing this, and then they stop, and they're like, honestly, as I write this, I'm thinking about you guys, and you're like, you're not even going to try to get this. And they continue on, and they say, in fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's Word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us move beyond elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity. He's talking about the the transition from milk to meat. Imagine an infant eating out uh, out of a bottle. Pretty normal. 
Now give it to a 10-year-old. A little bit strange. At some point there, there's a transition from being bottle-fed, drinking just milk, to adding some meat to your diet, some vegetables to your diet, and some mashed potatoes to your diet. There's a change there that's natural and necessary. And yet, I, I, I hear this writer talking to us almost like a coach saying, okay, you've got the basics. That's fantastic. I'm glad you're with me. I'm glad you're here. Now what? What's next for you? You can do more. You can take a step. You can, ex- you can accept and handle more. So what are you going to do? And, and many of us in this room are ready for more. We're ready for a next step. So, so some of you need to be more bold in your faith with the people around you. Some of you maybe need to jump into a new Bible reading plan on, your, on the Bible app you have on your phone and dive into scripture a little bit more. Some of you need to step into an opportunity to serve and use your gifts even though you're nervous and anxious about it. There's more for you. You can handle the next step. And so what we find is that as we avoid change and growth, it not only goes against God's nature, it not only goes against our potential, but it creates a roadblock between who we are and who God wants us to become. And that's why God makes growth available to us and he expects it of us. And so now what? How do we break out of this cycle of status quo? How do, we, how do we break out of this pattern of choosing not to change, choosing not to grow? First thing I would encourage you to do is evaluate where you are with where you've been. Evaluate where you are with where you've been. Paul says in 2 Corinthians to examine ourselves, to always be testing ourselves, to see where our faith is at, see how we're doing. And so I have some more questions for you. Even a, a couple new ones just to continue this evaluative process that we, that we started in the beginning. Once again, what's one thing that's different about you compared to 10 years ago? What has changed? What are some weak spots in your life that have gotten stronger? Where have you grown? Where have you gotten stronger? What are some weak spots that are still weak even after all these years? Things where if I approached you 10 years ago and said that thing you're, you're struggling with, that lack of energy, that lack of passion, that thing you're trying to get over, that's gonna be here 10 years from now and you'll be in the same spot you were. Ultimately, the question is, where are you on your personal S-curve? Where are you in this process in your life? Are you experiencing energy and passion? Is there an urgency about your faith? Are you excited about growth possibilities and things that you can change and improve on and catch a new wave of energy as you, as, you, as you crest that hill? Or are you a little bit down? Are you frustrated? Does God feel far? Resisting change, resisting growth. One way to think of it is uh, there's the fruits of the Spirit that are talked about in Galatians chapter 5. Love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Are those things evident in your life? Are you on the upswing with those things? Or perhaps as you evaluate things like patience and self-control. You think you're here, but as it plays out in your life and the car behind you honks and you blow your top, maybe your self-control and your patience are more reflective of someone on the downside of the momentum curve. Where are you on your S-curve? as you're evaluating that, I would encourage you, begin creating a culture of growth and next steps. In your life, in your family, in your circle of friends, 
That's pursuing, that's recognizing and celebrating next steps because things that are celebrated, as you know, are repeated. And so as you make a change and experience some energy and, and, some, and some growth as a result of that, take time to celebrate that. Thank God for what you've experienced. As you see your kids making changes and improving, celebrate with them. As you see it in the rest of your family or in your circle of friends, celebrate with them what they've tried and what they've experienced and the growth that they're seeing in their lives. Because the reality is it's, it's not always about comparing yourself with where you want to be. Obviously, we have goals out there. We have our ideal self. We have this image of, of who God wants us to become, and yet that can be a little bit intimidating at times. And so almost treat it like a kid where you measure their head every year on the, on the doorframe to see the growth, and it's incremental, and it's little by little. That makes it a little bit less intimidating, and it gives you opportunities to celebrate the little things that you've accomplished along the way. We've got some opportunities even around Northridge that can help you take some next steps. Uh, the program every week has things in it that you can jump into. The website, northridgechurch.com. You can jump on there, all kinds of different things. We even have a next steps team where, and we're gonna get into the connection card in a little bit, but if you throw your name and information and say, hey, I'm interested in next steps, they'll contact you and say, hey, where are you at? What are you interested in? How, what are you feeling these days? And, and help you walk through some good next steps for you and places for you to get involved. We've got the Volunteer Expo. You saw it on the Northridge News a little, bit of, a little bit ago. In a few weeks, we're gonna end the services early and you're gonna be able to go out uh, across the hall and there's gonna be booths of every ministry in this entire church that you can investigate and check out and see if there's a place where you wanna jump in. Maybe for some of you, it's, it's time to get baptized. You have a relationship with Christ. You've given your heart to him and yet you've never had that opportunity to tell the world about the relationship that already exists inside of you. Maybe for some of you it's stepping into the, the difficult task of an outreach trip, internationally maybe, putting yourself in that tough situation where you can grow and experience something new. And I do wanna encourage you, as, as you think about some of these things, it's not just about new things. It's not just about jumping into a, a new place or a new ministry or adding something to your task list or adding something to your calendar, but those environments can be a catalyst for change and growth in your life. So I'd encourage you to check those things out. And then ultimately, as you're evaluating where you're at and as you're trying to create a culture of growth in your life, big thing to remember as a part of this process is that growth requires surrender. Surrendering something good for something better. Surrendering your will to God's will. Surrendering to this God of growth. That's what a life lived in Christ is all about. And in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, if anyone is in Christ, if anyone has begun a life lived for him, they are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And this is the ultimate next step opportunity. Maybe for, for a lot of people in this room, maybe it's a, it's a first step and a chance to get rid of some things and it requires surrender, it requires sacrifice, it requires change. And yet as you make that decision, you take a step from the life that you've created for yourself towards a life that only God can create for you. And some of you, you've probably made that decision already and you've experienced life in Christ. You've experienced the high, the excitement, the, the new energy of beginning something new or you've, you've tried new things in your relationship with God and yet maybe you've crested. You've made some bad decisions. You've, you've gotten to the point where you feel like God is far and you, you still know him, you still love him, but things just don't feel the same you have an opportunity to experience an upswing, make some changes, and create your new S-curve. And so I wanna give you an opportunity today before we get out of here. 
You know, I, I see a lot of familiar faces, but a lot of faces I don't know, and so I don't know where you're at. And so I wanna give you an opportunity, if, if, if you're out there and you've never given your life to Christ, maybe today is the day, and it's as simple as this. It's acknowledging that Jesus was God and that he came to earth to live a perfect life and then die so that we could be forgiven, so that our mistakes, so that our sin could be wiped clean and forgiven and we could start fresh. And then even every point after that, as, he, as we learn and grow and try things and make mistakes, he continues to forgive, continues to allow us to start over. And so at this time, I'm gonna invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes, and we're gonna pray. And if you're visiting with us, I want you to know there's nothing mystical about closing your eyes. There's nothing magical about bowing your head, but what it does is it helps us create an opportunity just to focus on God for a moment. And as I pray, if that's you, just make these words your own. In in the quietness of your heart, say, God, I need more than what I'm experiencing. God, I'm the same as I've always been, and I really don't like it. God, I've tried it on my own. I've tried it my way and I'm ready to give it up. God, I give my life to you now. Forgive me of my mistakes, forgive me of my past, forgive me of the things that I've been doing. Help me to start over in a life with you. And God, from this point forward, help me to love you and live for you, amen. Now, if you just made that decision today or if you've made any other commitment, maybe you're starting over today, maybe you're just looking for next steps. On the inside of the program that you received on your way in, there's a connection card that you can tear off. And if you throw your name and some information on that, we'd love to uh, get in touch with you at the bottom. There's a circle you can check off that says, today I pray to receive Jesus Christ in my life for the first time. We would love to hear about that. And here's that, we're not gonna show up and interrupt you while you're mowing the lawn this week. We're not gonna knock on your door What we're gonna do is we're gonna pray for you. And we're gonna send you some information that can help you start taking some next steps and start growing in your relationship with Christ. And as I said before, if you're just looking for next steps, you're not sure where to go next, throw your name and number on there and tell us, I'm interested in next steps. And somebody will get in touch with you and walk you through that process. We just wanna be a part of your journey and help you any way that we can. Because guys, the reality of this morning is you're gonna change one way or another. But in a world of decline, by choosing to grow and take next steps. You can inspire that same thing in other people who never knew it was possible until they saw it in you. And in that process, you create for yourself an opportunity to look back on the years of your life and celebrate what God has done in you, all because you chose to just keep growing. Thanks for coming out, guys. We'll see you next week.